Hi, welcome to the Day Game Podcast, the official podcast of DayGame.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. Thanks. Yo, it is December 15th as I record this. Um, If you're listening to this on the Monday, it is the 16th. Good morning. Um, Lots of stuff to talk about in the weekly plays. Um, This week, um, went ahead and opened a MongoDB earnings um, condor that closed for 50%. Um, Also opened a Lulu condor um, that opened for or closed for 90%. Costco iron condor that closed for 90%. And Adobe um, that closed for a loss. So you know, as as much as like say or as safe as these iron condor strategies can go, and the probability of profit um, can remain high, um, you can still absolutely close at a loss. What made me feel really good about these particular iron condor trades this week was that you know, especially for the uh, Lulu uh, iron condor, um, I had suggested a trade. And, you know, I just feels too guru-y for me to just suggest a trade and not go in with it um, with all of you. So, like, I <laughs> I tweeted, hey, this this feels like too much of a guru move. I'm going to actually just buy it instead. So I went in and the condor closed for green. So that was pretty dope. Uh, and then I followed the next day with Costco and Adobe. Adobe um, moved a little bit more higher than I expected. And so that's why I closed at a loss. And, um, you know, that loss alone uh, basically broke even on my three wins um, previously on Costco, Lulu, and MongoDB. So let this be a quick lesson uh, for all of you, right? Like, you know, iron condors are known to be, you know, a little bit higher of chance of probability and profit, especially if you set the strikes properly. Um, but no matter how high a probability of profit is or a chance of profit is, uh, you can still end up red and you should always respect the max loss. So although the Adobe didn't close for max loss, it did close red. So you know, in case if anyone decided to go all in on any sort of bet that was like an 80% chance of profit, um, that 20% can still happen. Um, fortunately, uh, you know, I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to trading and it has, I think it has a lot to do with, um, you know, everyone is looking at my trades, so I can't quite do anything as stupid as I normally do. And it makes me double check every trade before I enter it, that it's consistent with my trading thesis or like, you know, consistent with my trading style. And besides the earnings condors that I played last week, I finally closed my, the trading desk TTD put credit spread that I opened um, like a week or two weeks ago. And so it's crazy to think that like of the 15 last trades, only two of them were red. Um, you know, being part of Theta Gang or, you know, doing any sort of like Theta Gang consistent strategy puts you in a mindset where you win way more often than you lose. Your losers can absolutely be huge, right? But as we will learn later, or if you want to go back to the very first episode, um, you can learn to adjust the size of your steamroller. People always say that the losses that they gain do not make sense. Um, especially, you know, you you sure you win more often, but your winners are smaller. That comes from the wrong mentality, right? That's coming from the people that expect like 10x, 100x on any given trade, but then they only win those like one out of 10 times. It doesn't make sense. 
let's flip that mentality around. Let's win more often, be more consistent, but just keep the losers small. And so um, one of my you know most famous tweets I tweeted last week, it was super nuts. And so I have that here. It's why I tweeted, I'd say 80% of my trades start off red. And after holding on to the position for about a week, the trade starts to turn green. Having time on your side is severely underrated. Now, the only reason why I say that this is one of my more like famous tweets is because um, there's a dude named Tony Batista, and I don't know if you guys know, maybe you guys do. Um, there is the Tasty Trade, you know, videos where you know the the guys of Tasty Works teach you how to do option trading, and you know they they post a lot of content. They're pretty big in the options community, and one of the co-hosts actually liked it. His name is Tony Batista. And I'm really curious on how he was exposed to the tweet. Maybe uh, Twitter like recommended it to him or, you know, I don't know. He doesn't follow me, but I thought it was a really big deal when I saw that. I was super happy. So, Tony, if you're listening to these podcasts, like, uh, I love you, dude. I love how what like all of you guys are doing over at Tastyworks. Super happy to um, be in a partnership with you guys. Um, other than that. Um, the tweet is very much super, super, super dank, super true. Um, it it's, explains my entire trading mentality in like one sentence. And speaking of famous people, uh, Theta Gang got a shout out, or at least real Theta Gang did, my Twitter handle, um, by Olivia Voss, uh, who is the reporter for Modern Wall Street. And uh, she does reports on the New York Stock Exchange floor. So that's a huge deal. Um, just getting the Theta Gang, um, <laughs> you know, like username or name out there. It's really, really nuts. And I'll, I'll go ahead and try to clip that in right now. Uh, and you, you guys will understand why it's kind of funny and why I'm laughing. We got a lot of requests for Lululemon. Neurodoc12, The Real Theta Gang, and Captain What a Fact. Thanks for chipping in. Phenomenal stock to talk about. It's probably the most anticipated earnings this week. I mean, she didn't mention the podcast or the website, and she kind of might have mispronounced Theta, but whatever, man. I'm going to take what, whatever one I can get. I'm happy to get my name exposed out there, um, and I, I thought that was pretty cool. So, I mean, also shout out to Lululemon. That Iron Condor went pretty well, too. So, good week. As far as my next weekly plays, I'm going to be maintaining um, the wheel on Snap, Datadog, Starbucks, uh, the Trading Desk, and Twitter. So those are naked puts I currently have um, already sold out into the market right now or that I wrote uh, naked puts into the market. So if I get assigned, cool, I own 100 shares of each of one of those uh, when it does happen. Or if not, I'll go and collect a premium. This is absolutely a podcast episode strategy that I'll be um, going over in a later episode. Uh, but right now, that's absolutely what I'm up to. Um, now let's do a little bit of reporting from me um, on today's or <laughs> this week's uh, earnings. All right, so I'm going to be honest. Uh, this week is pretty darn boring uh, if you're not part of Wall Street Bets. Uh, you'll see why. Uh, Monday, I'm not going to go ahead and report anything. But Tuesday after the bell, uh, you have FedEx. Um, and then after the bell on Wednesday, you have Micron. And then before the bell on Thursday, you have Rite Aid. After close on Thursday, you have Nike. Uh, and then before open on Friday, you have BlackBerry and CarMax. So if you're a member of Wall Street Bets, uh, you know that you have your eyes on Micron and Rite Aid. 
uh, Rite Aid was the stock back in the day when, you know, when all of us were not, I don't know. I feel like the age group is growing up together more or less on Wall Street Bets. And when we all first started trading, Rite Aid was a really cheap stock to buy. And so everyone kind of bonded over being able to, you know, more or less day trade or buy options on it or, you know, just uh, <laughs> trade it because it was just so, so cheap. Uh, still is cheap. Uh, Rite Aid is currently sitting at what? I haven't, I have not, not touched a stock in so long. Uh, it's at $7.57. So, <laughs> I mean, Rite Aid is going to be the nostalgic, uh, is going to be a nostalgic stock, uh, for, you know, prior Thursday, um, prior the bell. Um, and Micron, uh, is a meme of the community. Uh, people like to pretend that, you know, it's going to go to a hundred bucks one day, it's going to moon. And so people say, uh, Micron $90 calls, um, as a joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just want to let you guys know that, you know, as much as Wall Street bets seems really cancerous at times, like you go on there and you just see people screaming at each other sometimes. You see, you know, really dumb plays sometimes or really smart plays too. But back in the day, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it used to have a lot of great content. People would post really long posts of like why they would do trades and they would post. Um, you know their due diligence but they would also post like definitions of you know terms that they use while they use them they didn't just use a lot of buzzwords um, just to make themselves seem smart um, which is something that's not happening these days and that's why I'm trying to you know have this podcast fill that gap is that you know maybe sometimes I do actually have to use the big words kind of kind of like when I use extrinsic or intrinsic value um, but I absolutely give you guys the definition right then and there right um, so you know Wall Street bets as uh, you know, people like to say it's autistic, but if you really, really, really just like read in between the lines sometimes, you could get really good information. I'm not saying that it should be your primary source of, um, you know, trading info, but people make it out to be a lot worse than it really is. Um, Wall Street Bets uh, still very much teaches you a lot of things with funny context. There's dank memes on there sometimes, and so, um, you know, it will always have a special place in my heart. <laughs> I guess. All right, uh, new website updates. Uh, last week we crossed a thousand users. Uh, currently, right now, as I look, we have a thousand and thirty-one members. Is that how you say a thousand and thirty-one? And so, closing trades and the analytics on those are still on the way. Still working that out. I swear to you guys, it's a huge feature. It takes a lot of work, a lot of thinking to make sure that you guys use it right and that you guys actually enjoy it. Because I barely enjoy inputting my trades. So, uh, you know, given anyone else, I got to make it as easier or as easiest and fun for people to do it um, themselves. So, that's on the way. Um, Open trades are Patreon exclusive now. Um, I've gotten questions about if you can get the access to the open trades on the $5 or $10 tier, and I'm going to go and say say no for now. Maybe that's an option that will be available later, but right now it's absolutely a $20 and up exclusive. So um, just on top of that, closed trades will always be available. You guys know um, I like to stay transparent. I can't ever imagine a world where I pay gate my closed trades, right? Like I have to prove my history to uh, like, you know, show you guys I'm actually, you know, a real one because real recognizes real. Uh, 
um, but if you guys didn't know this website started as just a trading log for me it was it was literally just a page with like basically an Excel sheet of my trades and so it's evolved all the way to this um, it's also really funny because at one time or another there was a modal pop-up when you first joined the site of me in front of the, <laughs> the, the, the you know the New York Bull uh, me throwing up like the peace sign and the, with a really funny face. Maybe I'll maybe I'll show that on Twitter someday. But the site has really evolved, and there's a huge community now, and it's growing faster and faster every week. And um, you know, like I say all the time, super grateful for you guys. And you know, any support that you guys give me is going directly back into the website. And thank you to everyone that's um, already signed up and sold out of the early bird one tier so the $20 tier is already sold out super nuts and people are already buying into the $30 tier if you can't buy into the $30 tier now the $40 tier will be available later um, but again I'm just super blessed that everyone has signed up and anyone that isn't a patreon member but just signed up on the website honestly like thank you to you guys too um, there's a good handful of people that like just help other people on the website and everything in between and I'm just super super grateful um, you know as you guys all know the discord is going to be coming soon and everyone that's been currently helping and you know that do decide to help um, you know that discord will be a place for you so thank you guys so much um, and let's go on to today's topic today's topic is the put debit spread last week was the call debit spread and as you guys know calls and puts are very much opposites puts are when you want the price to go down calls you want the price to go up um, depending on what you do so these um, n you know these last two episodes including this one um, are the debit spreads so you know you want the price to go in the direction of whatever you know option strategy you do so you know if you buy a call debit spread you want the price to go up which seems obvious if you want to if you buy the put debit spread you want the price to go down um, the reason why I make this distinction is because there are you know there were a handful of people that were confused about what a call or put credit spread is um, the difference here is the word debit versus credit now we haven't quite talked about credit spreads which is about like 80% of the trades that I do um, they end up being credit spreads. We haven't gotten into the, uh, those uh, trades yet, um, but the main distinction between a debit spread and a credit spread is a debit spread you pay um, to go into the position, um, and the opposite of <laughs> is being the credit spread, which you get paid for getting to the position. So, for example, a call debit spread just like last week, you know, this is just a recap, baby. If you listened to last week's episode, uh, you're bullish on Apple. Apple is currently trading at $100. You buy the 105 debit spread, right? The debit spread. Um, and you pay uh, a certain amount to get into that position. If you were to buy a call credit spread, you are bearish on Apple. And this might be confusing because it's the opposite, but we'll get into that in the later episode. But the call credit spread, you end up taking in money, right? You get paid to take on risk, um, and you know if it doesn't reach a certain price point or if it stays above a certain price point, you get paid. So that's the main difference between a debit and credit spread. Uh, but we'll absolutely get into that in the later coming episodes. 
Now, today we're talking about the put debit spread. Uh, this is a option strategy that you want to do when you think the stock will go down. And so, um, just a, you know, a lot of this is just recap from previous episodes. And you know, a put debit spread. The reason why you would do this is if you were bearish on a company, but you were you're probably wondering like, hey, Junie, you just taught us um, buying naked puts, and so why would I not just buy a naked put? Uh, why would I want to make that a spread? And that's because spreads, um, just like you know, last episode where you know you'd buy a call debit spread instead of a naked call. The reason why you'd buy a put debit spread instead of a naked put is because it lowers your break even, right? It's it's easier to get in the green because you're um, selling the short out further out the money put, but it's also cheaper, right? So the reason why it's cheaper is because let's take it let's take the easiest example we could think of. Apple is currently trading at one hundred dollars, um, and you think, hey, China tariff news is coming out. You could think it's gonna have a five percent drop, so you buy the ninety-five put, just like you normally would, right? This is just think about you were buying a naked put. You'd buy the ninety-five put because you're bearish on it. Now you want to make that a spread because you listen to this episode and you hear all about these great things about lowering break even and that's cheaper. So what do you do? You make it a ninety-five ninety spread. So you buy the ninety-five put and you sell the 90 put. So what does this do? It theoretically it maxes your gains. You will only be able to make as much as uh, you know the difference of what you pay to get into the 95 minus the credit that you received from selling the further out the money 90 put. Now the reason why you end up paying for this transaction right because this is a debit spread not a credit spread is because the 95 put is more expensive and that makes sense because the 95 put is closer to the money because Apple is trading at 100 than the 90 put so the 95 put is more expensive you buy that one to lower your break even or to make the trade cost less you sell the 90 the only reason why say for example you don't own any Apple and you're wondering you know how do I sell something that I don't own and this is the hardest thing to grasp when you're first starting to trade is that you can sell what you don't own if you write an obligation or or like buy a contract that relieves that obligation so because you are buying a put which gives you the right to sell 100 apple shares and you're then able to you know sell that contract um, or sell the 90 put that does the opposite so they basically cancel each other out this is very much the strategy that you want to use when you're bearish on something and implied volatility is low um, but we'll go into that just in a little bit later in the episode but this is absolutely preferred than buying a naked put um, in every case um, buying a spread is better but the I guess it's not as accurate. The only case where it's not as good as buying a naked put is when, uh, say for example, Apple craters to eighty dollars, your gains are capped out at whatever Apple would trade at at um, basically ninety because you sold the ninety put. Um, now you're probably wondering why you wouldn't just sell the eighty put in the first place. And this this there's a lot of preferential stuff here that. 
you need to think about. It needs to be, you know, what's your trading style like? Uh, can you afford, um, you know, can you afford to pay a little bit more for the position? Because as you might know, um, the $80 put that you end up selling is a lot more, it's, it's a lot cheaper than the 90 put. And so you don't get that break even benefit as much as you would if you did the 90 put. So say for example, the 95 put is, you know, uh, $100 and the 90 put is maybe $20. Well, the $80 put is going to be one or $2. So that it just might not even make sense to cap your gains if you're going to be pay, you're going to be only paid a dollar or two, right? So you have to really think about, you know, the value of the trade um, going in, the probability of success um, on the trade when you get out. And when, you know, these uh, these values aren't consistent over a long period of time, then you get into this rut of winners and losses that, you know, cancel each other out. Or maybe you go on a run of winners, maybe, I don't know, or but more highly likely uh, a longer run of losers. Because as you might know, debit spreads put you in a position where you're definitely like a 50% a percent chance to um, profit or lower. Uh, I'd even say that 30% is the average, um, you know, amount of uh, probability of profit that y you would receive um, given any sort of debit spread um, where, you know, profit actually makes sense. So debit spreads usually have a probability of profit of, you know, 30% and credit spreads have a probability of profit of 70%. Um, at least that's, you know, what the majority of traders like to do. Um, but, you know, if you're careful, if you do a lot of due diligence and you have a good sound um, st uh, option strategy, debit spreads and swing trading those, you know, that's a perfectly good idea. Or maybe if you're swing trading, maybe you'll, if you want to cap your gains or um, you, won't even, um, you don't even worry about lowering your break even. But we're not swing traders here. I'm not a swing trader. I don't, I can't do that. It's just way too stressful. I'd rather just, you know, keep my eyes off the screen, let my profit triggers do the work. And so credit spreads, having a 70% chance is absolutely the way I like to do things. Um, but we'll get into that in future episodes. Um, previously in this episode, I touched on, um, you know, you want to go in when volatility is low. And that's, again, that's opposite of what Theta Gang wants to do. Theta Gang wants to go into a trades where volatility is high because we get paid more premium for taking on that risk um, because... Um, you know, there's something called implied volatility um, that guesses, or not guesses, but it like calculates how much the expected move is on that particular stock for that week or that month based on you know which index you're looking at. But implied volatility, if it's high, that means the option that you're buying is going to cost more because you have to pay whoever's writing you the contract more money because uh, everyone in the market believes that's going to whip up or down, right? There's a lot of volatility in it. And option traders like that, so it makes the trade more expensive. If you notice that there's a, you know, a particular stock that has a lower IV for that particular month, maybe there's like a high IV stock like Tesla, but you know, with this particular month, IV is particularly low. Then hey, maybe it's a good idea to buy spreads, like put spreads if you're bearish, or you know, put debits or call debit spreads if you're uh, bullish. But you want to stay away from you know paying high IV or high volatility premium um, when you can and that's especially apparent during earnings where implied volatility can spike up to 
right? So if you're paying, you know, a 200% premium on volatility when you're going into an option trade, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And I can't believe that, you know, even I used to go into those type of plays, right? I was just totally not about that. I was just absolutely not aware of implied volatility and how it affected option prices. I just always thought like, yeah, it kind of makes sense that, you know, you got to you gotta pay to play or, you know, the toxic mentality of, of whatever that might be. It's just if you're thinking about choosing a side, if you want to play the bullish side and buy calls, if you want to be bearish and buy puts, all I'm saying is if you want to actually pick a side, it is a little bit better to have the 70 chance, 70% 70 chance of profit than the 30% chance of profit if you stay disciplined. If you don't want to stay disciplined, then the uh, then theta gain strategies or the credit spreads aren't for you because you have to play the law of large numbers there. You have to execute a large amount of trades so that in case you fall into a rut, that doesn't destroy you. Can you imagine a world where you know you swing trade or maybe you recreationally trade and you do, you know, debit spreads, maybe you do naked calls or naked puts because that's, you know, it's pretty simple. It's all you know so far. And then you decide to go into theta gain trades every now and then. Like maybe every time you get inspired every time you listen to this episode or you go on to, I don't know, some sort of options blog and you get super, super pumped. And you win like one and you get super happy and you start playing, you know, your naked puts and calls again. And then you try again next week and you try one and it blows up and you're like down 400 bucks. It's a bad feeling. Um, and you're not going to want to do it again. But what's going to happen is if you do it enough times and you're consistent and you don't do or accumulate any losses from any other trades, the numbers will work out in the end. Or at least that was the case for me. If you look at my trading history, there was a really bad rut of like five or six trades where I was really red. Um, maybe like $400 loss, $300 loss, and then another $400 loss, $300 loss. Um, because the trades just went bad. Um, I, you know, just got unlucky. Um, uh, I'm not going to blame it on the market. I'm not going to blame it on any decision. But I kept my trading consistent. Every single trade I enter, I have, you know, these bullet points that I hit, and I like to just go in. Uh, we'll cover that in another episode as well. But consistency is the key. Um, if you plan on doing credit spreads in the future when the podcast episode does come out, um, you need to be consistent with it. If you mix in debit spreads and uh, this and that, naked naked calls, naked puts, um, and then just like sprinkle in theta gain trades, it's not going to work out because you're going to get blown up because you're not taking on the risk or, um, or the premium in regularly. That's I think that's the, that's the word that you need to use there is that you need to regularly collect premium to pay off any losses that you accrue from theta gain trades because the, the losses from theta gain trades are pretty high compared to um, you know regular debit spreads or you know naked calls naked puts um, assuming that you use the same amount of capital to get the same amount of equity so I mean I think that's it on today's topic put debit spreads um, you know again this is a strategy that if you're bearish and volatility is low that you want to go ahead and try this out and as just as a reminder it is absolutely preferred at least to me, over naked puts. I would never buy any sort of naked option again. I would sell them. I have sold naked puts to start the wheel on Snap, Datadog, uh, Starbucks, the Trading Desk, and Twitter, as I mentioned earlier in this episode. But I will never buy them. Um, as forementioned, uh, they expire worthless. Uh, just, you know, debit spreads too, but they cost more, and you're taking on more risk. Um, so, 
with that, I just want to go ahead and say thank you to our new four early bird tier members. They are PTR, the Iron Man, False, Van Trader, Srinu. Wait, that's five. <laughs> I can't count. I'm gonna keep that in. I'm just gonna keep going. Um, so we're finally sold out of early bird tier one. You can tell I write my own scripts. Um, we're sold out of early bird tier one. Uh, if you want to get into the thirty dollar tier, you absolutely can. If you can't get into the thirty dollar tier, the forty dollar tier will be available. Uh, want to give an extended shout out to Mr. IV and Mr. John Pitchko. And extended shoutouts to Hashbrown441, Bearish Taint, Edad, Mike D, Samus from Great State of Texas, Monkit48. Um, follow me on Twitter at RealTheatergang. Email me at Junie at Theatergang.com. And you can support me at Patreon.com slash Theatergang while getting super sick perks like flares, view my open trades, and real-time alerts. Theater Gang is proudly partnered with Tastyworks, and signing up with Theta Gang referral is a huge help. Thank you guys for the 1,000 uh, people that have already signed up, 1,031 of you. Um, it has been a ride. 2019 has been crazy. Um, I'm pretty sure I'll be capping off uh, the Theta Game podcast at some sort of number um, to conclude a season. Um, next season, we'll have a show reformatting uh, based on feedback and you know new music, etc., uh, lots of fun stuff. Discord is coming soon. Thank you for supporting me on Patreon. Look out for the weekly plays. And peace. <laughs>